And turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we want to just leave our study in the book of Ezra, even though we really only had about one message left, perhaps, on that uh, book. But uh, today is Resurrection Sunday, and so I want to uh, spend some time here talking about what if no resurrection? What if there was no resurrection? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 uh, will be our text this morning. There's a story, and I'm not sure whether it's a true story or whether it's just a legend, of a German princess who, when she was on her deathbed, ordered that her grave be covered with a great granite slab and that around that granite slab placed solid blocks of stone and she requested the whole thing be fastened together with clamps of iron. And on the tombstone should be cut these words. She said, This burial place purchased to all eternity must never be opened. Just so happened There was a little acorn that was buried in the process of covering up that grave. And during the months that followed, that seed would sprout, and a tender shoot would find its way up through the crevice of the iron, binding on the stones, and actually, eventually, in its strength, push aside the rocks that would never be moved. Now, I'm sure I'm true in saying that most of us, if not all of us, perhaps here this morning, have stood by a burial place of someone very near and dear to us, a loved one. And I'm also sure that perhaps we could say that we kind of felt the finality of the moment. Maybe we've even wondered if there's any hope left at all for us or for our loved one that seems to be, have gone into eternity. Maybe we've even questioned if the awful clutch of death would ever be released from our hearts. And the fact of the matter is that death is a very human experience, literally, for all of us. The grave threatens to sever us from our loved ones for all eternity. But the fact of the matter is, if we are Christians, if we know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we believe that the Christian's hope is that those who have died in Christ, in other words, those who have died having saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, in their heart has been planted a seed, like a little acorn of hope. And when they're buried, one day we believe that acorn will blossom into a tree of a resurrection body. If God does not leave even a little acorn or any insignificant seed in the ground, do you think he would desert a man or a woman that is made in his image and in fact is twice his because they are redeemed by sovereign grace and precious blood? The fact of the matter is, there is for the Christian, for the child of God, even while staring into the deep, devilish eyes of death, there is a balm of comfort. That's why Paul could say that we sorrow, yes, but we sorrow not as others who have no hope. 
And the hope that we have as believers in Christ is a hope of the resurrection. In fact, I would say that all we have to cling to when death has stripped us of a loved one from our arms is the truth of the resurrection. As Christians, without a hope of resurrection, we are without hope at all in our lives. And at all in eternity. I, we have no hope if there is no resurrection from the dead. Now, in the opening verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it would have been wonderful we could spend the whole uh, day this morning, uh, this afternoon, evening, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15. It would take us that long, I think. But Paul reminds us of the doctrine of Christ's resurrection from the dead and how vital and how foundational this doctrine is. In fact, he tells us that it is an essential component of the gospel of grace. Verse 3 says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I have also received, (coughs) how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Going to have to keep the throat lubricated this morning. I'm sorry about that. <clears throat> but with that in mind, he proceeds to offer proof that Jesus did indeed raise from the dead. In verse 5, we read in that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. And after that, he was seen above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this presence present from uh, but some have are fallen asleep and after that he was seen of James and then of all the apostles <clears throat> apparently there were some members of the church in Corinth who doubted the truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus from the dead but here in chapter 15 i think one of the great resurrection chapters paul is writing to remind us that the resurrection is essential to salvation and to any hope for heaven an effort to awaken the Corinthian believers to an importance of the resurrection. He paints a dismal picture of what life would be like if there was no resurrection. You see, if there had been no resurrection from the dead, then we would be in sad shape this morning. This morning we want to consider what would be true if there had been no resurrection. First of all, we have a bitter assumption In verses 12 through 19, if there had been no resurrection from the dead, then first of all, we notice there we have no foundation. Verse 12 says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13, But if if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. Paul reminds us that if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Jesus did not rise again. If he is dead, then everything we believe is going to come crashing down around us. If there is no resurrection from the dead, then Jesus himself is no better than the tens of thousands of others who have claimed to be sent from God. If he did not rise, then his death was the unfortunate end of a misspent life, and his teachings are nothing more than the raving of some maniac madman. If it's true, 
and there is no resurrection from the dead, then every belief system, the very belief system that we cherish so deeply is nothing more than just another religion that offers life and hope to no one. If Jesus is still in the tomb this morning, then our way of life is a farce. And we are among the greatest of fools to have ever walked this planet. For if Jesus is dead, then our system of belief is dead. Our foundations have crumbled beneath us, and we might as well go home right now. Now, I think to understand this, we have to look a little bit at the cause of their confusion here in Corinth. You have to look at the history of the context of the Corinthian church. The Corinthians had swallowed some Greek philosophy. Many of them in this church, whether it was because they were converted out of the philosophical background or whether it was there was false Christian so-called teachers going around the church starting to preach and teach this false doctrine, they were looking to doctrine of dualism within the universe. Let me explain that. Uh, They were becoming spiritualists in the sense that they believed that everything around them, the physical, was evil. Your body is evil. This pulpit is evil. Anything around you that you can touch or you can feel, in a sense, is evil. But the spiritual realm, that's all good. And many had been taken in by this philosophy so that they were absolutely appalled at any suggestion that after you died, your body would be raised again from the grave. Because the body to them was worthless. In fact, it was sinful. It was a seat of sinful nature. They believed that the body was like a prison for your spirit or your soul. And they believed that the day you died, that your soul, like, like a bird from a cage, would fly into, uh, into paradise. And you would realize then your true self. That's why Paul in Acts chapter 17 was mocked when he preached the resurrection in the Greek city of Athens. It was foolishness to them. Foolishness to the Greek. Now, perhaps it's only a suggestion, but I think it carries a great deal of weight. There are those coming into the Corinthian church saying, well, look, we believe that Christ rose from the dead, but he didn't really raise bodily. Now, that's a type of a forerunner of the Gnostics. We'd call them, we're saying Christ rose from the dead, but he rose spiritually, not physically, spiritually. And so when you live on, they're saying you just, you become extinct in eternity. You don't really live on. But when you live on, you live spiritually. You'll never live physically again. Because Christ's resurrection was the only, was only spiritual. And so your resurrection is only going to be spiritual. That's a dualism. That's called dualism. Maybe you think that this intricate detail is not really necessary this morning, but the fact of the matter is, this is what many of the religions of our world are teaching today. Christian science movement teaches that every day. It's what uh, it's called spiritualism. The spiritualist churches teach that in our country. And, and believe it or not, we I don't know that, well, we may have some close, uh, something close to that here in our area. This is what the Jehovah Witnesses believe. The Lord Jesus did not bodily rise from the grave, but they had some kind of a he had come, some kind of a spiritual resurrection. 
It's what the modern theologians, Christians so-called, that's what they're teaching in our liberal colleges and seminaries. That's, uh, that Christ did not bodily rise from the dead. doesn't really have to be the case that he ro- rose bodily from the grave. As long as he's with us in spirit. And the spirits go with him one day. Now, let me show you why this is important. Romans chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. That means he was a man. In 1 John 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. That means he was a real human being, just like you are this morning. And then in Romans 1, 4, it says, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And here's the truth that God that rebukes and exposes all error, whether it was in Paul's day or in our day, the resurrection of Jesus Christ evidences the humanity and the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so important. That's why men want to deny it. If they're wanting to deny the deity of Christ, they deny the resurrection. Even those wanting to deny the humanity of Christ deny the resurrection and make it some kind of spiritual thing. But God rose Jesus from the dead in the flesh and of the seed of David. And while doing so, he declared him to be his son by the resurrection of the dead. We must never swallow the lies of the cults. Jesus said to John on the Isle of Patmos in that wonderful vision in the book of Revelation, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. See, this is our Savior. And I'll tell you this, this is a great issue, the great issue in religious debate today, not only in ecumenicism and the charismatic movement, it's also not about what is mortal sin, what is morality and what is not. The real issue today is what always has been the issue, and don't forget it, what think ye of Christ? In 2 John, just verse 7 there, we read, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. And I don't think you can get much clearer than that. Anyone who says today, no matter if they call themselves a Christian or not, that Jesus did not come in the flesh that the Son of God was not made flesh by the seed of David and took upon himself the likeness of sinful flesh apart from sin, that person is an antichrist and we ought to have nothing to do with them. Because without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have no foundation. Secondly, we have no faith. Look at verse 14 through 16. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. 
and your faith is also vain. Yea, we have found false witnesses. Of, we are found false witnesses of God because we have not testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up. For so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Now, in these three verses, Apostle Paul moves to paint a more sobering portrait of how things would be if Jesus were dead today. First of all, he says our preaching would be vain. Verse 14, Paul tells us that if Jesus is dead, then all the preachers uh, that have been preaching this, including your preacher, have been wasting the words and time proclaiming a message of resurrection. From the first witness, Mary Magdalene in John 20 and verse 2 to the several hundred mentioned here in verses 5 through 8 in our text to the faithful gospel preachers down through the ages and the millions of others have all been fools if Jesus did not raise from the dead. Our preaching is in vain. Secondly, our faith is in vain. Again, here in verse 14, Paul tells us that if Jesus is still dead, then we're wasting our time serving him and worshiping him. If Jesus really is still dead, then you would be just as well off worshiping a rock or a tree or an image of some type. If Jesus is still in the grave, then everything we do is false, it's phony, it's foolishness. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then all the preaching we've listened to over the years are lies. All the praying that we've done, the serving and the witnessing and the church attendance have all been a waste of time. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then you're a victim of the most cruel hoax ever played on humanity. And the Christian faith is the greatest joke of all time. And then thirdly, you notice in verse 15, we are false witnesses. Paul tells us that all those who spread the Christian message of salvation through crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus are a bunch of liars if Jesus, in fact, did not rise from the dead. Every time we open our mouths to sing the songs we sing here in this church, to witness to others, to testify, to preach, or whatever we do in Jesus' name, we're all liars if he did not rise from the dead. Just consider for a moment what a step of faith this is. Paul was a man of wealth man of social standing, of influence and great education, yet he was willing to throw all of that away for the cause of Christ. He was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was assaulted, he was stoned, he was left for dead, all in the name of Jesus Christ. And here's a man who was at one time dead set against Christians and Christianity. His single purpose in life would be to destroy everyone and everything associated with that name. For Paul to turn back his back on everything he loved and devote his life to spreading a lie, that's simply too much to believe. If Paul did this, then he is absolutely crazy. We have no foundation, we have no faith, and then thirdly, we know no forgiveness. Verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, is vain, ye are yet in your sins. As if things couldn't get any worse, Paul now tells us that if Jesus isn't alive, then we're all still lost. We're all still hellbound, still in our sins this morning. You see, the heart of the gospel message is the great truth that Jesus Christ left heaven above, 
was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world, and it doesn't stop there. The Bible goes on to say that he rose again the third day for our justification. Romans chapter 4, verse 25 says, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. And so if Jesus is still dead, then we cannot be justified and we're still lost in our sin this morning. If he is still he is dead today, then we're still looking for a redeemer. And we're all headed for hell. No foundation, no faith, no forgiveness, and we have no future. Verse 18 says, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Paul now moves beyond this life to consider the things of the eternal nature. He tells us that if Jesus is still dead, then we have no hope for the future at all. I want you to notice two terrible things that have would be true if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Number one is our loved ones who have gone before us are gone forever. One of the blessings of the Christian life is the knowledge that one day we will participate in a reunion in heaven which will include all those we have known and have loved who also knew Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know, that's why it's so important that our loved ones get saved. So we can have that reunion. And yet Paul tells us, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then everyone who dies is forever lost. That's it. The end. Either we're like a dog and we go to the grave, or we go to hell to be forever separated from the Lord. And if this is true, then there will be no heaven There will be no gatherings on the other side. There will be no hope. There will be no future to anticipate. If Jesus is still dead, then we might as well just live it up here and enjoy our time while we have what we have left. Jesus is dead, then we are all but dust when we die. We'll be gone forever. Heaven is a cruel joke if Jesus did not die or rise again. Mom and dad are gone forever. Sons and daughters are gone. Brothers and sisters are gone. Grandparents are gone if there is no resurrection from the dead. The other terrible thing is we've lived our lives in vain. Verse 19, Paul is saying that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then every child of God has wasted his or her life in living for Jesus. We have believed a lie and we're headed for hell. If the Bible has lied about resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, then you and I can believe nothing that this book tells us. When it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. That'd be a lie. John 3.16 would be a lie. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If Jesus' resurrection was not true, that would not be true. In John 6.37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to him and 
Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Hebrews 13.5, when it says, For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That would all be a lie if it weren't for the resurrection. Psalm 103 and verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All bitter, cruel lies if Jesus did not rise from the dead. And all that paints a pretty bleak picture for us this morning. If there is no resurrection from the dead, then we're all in real trouble. Or we need to seek psychiatric help to be delivered from the delusions that have gripped us and enslaved our minds all these years. But thank God for verse 20. Thank God. Aren't you glad Paul didn't stop with verse 19? Verse 20 stands like a majestic lighthouse pointing the way to hope and to safety and salvation. A picture of bitter assumption here, but we have, secondly, a blessed assurance. Verse 20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Paul states for the record the thrilling fact that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. He lives this morning just like the Bible says he does. And the stories penned by the gospel writers aren't just the rantings of some deluded men, but in fact the truth of God and the means of salvation for lost souls. And when the angel told the women that Jesus was risen, his witness was true. He lives. He lives. And now because he lives, all those negatives I spoke about a minute ago are transformed into positives. You see, before the first day of sunshine ever broke the darkness on that Sunday morning some 2,000 years ago, God had already stretched forth his hand and had called the sun to come forth from the grave. And then the Father sent the angels to roll away the stone, not to let Jesus out. I think he was already gone. But the stone was rolled away so you and I might look into that most sublime and wonderful event the world has ever known. Jesus lives, and all the negatives have been placed under the positive column. And so our foundation is firm. The bedrock doctrine of our faith is true. Jesus lives, and Christianity stands as the only valid means whereby a lost sinner can reach the God of heaven. Our faith is genuine. Our preaching has power. Our faith is real. Our witness is true. Jesus lives and we stand vindicated in our faith and in our claims concerning him. It's not a waste of time to trust Jesus this morning. It's not an exercise in vanity to believe in the one called Jesus. He lives and because he lives, our faith lives also. And our forgiveness is accomplished. Because he lives, we're no longer lost in sin, but we've been delivered by his blood and been justified by his life. Now our sins have been washed away as far as the east is from the west. We have been forgiven and we have been redeemed. And then fourthly, our future is secure. 
Our loved one who died in faith lives on and waits for our arrival in glory. There is a heavenly home waiting for all of God's children. In this life, we can enjoy the victory, but in the life to come, we can enjoy the presence of the one who died in our place on Calvary's cross. Yes, the negatives become positives, but despair has also been changed into hope for all men who receive Jesus Christ and trust him by faith. Now, I'm glad that I know in my heart today that Jesus lives. Oh, I read the Bible, and that wasn't what convinced me. Even though I believe what it said, I heard the preachers tell me, but I didn't believe because of them. I believe he lives this morning because I have met him on a personal basis. I shall never forget the day when Jesus came to where I was, even as a young boy. Lost and undone, full of sin. And yet in his love, he saved me when I cried out in faith. I know he lives because I have met him. How about you this morning? Do you know he lives because you have that personal relationship with him? If so, isn't that a great thing to know? I mean, just to know that he lives is more wonderful than anything else else we could ever hear. If you know that, or if you don't know that, I guess I should say, if you don't know that, I invite you personally to, to him today. He will receive you and save you and prove that he really is alive. The conclusion is, he is risen. He is risen. And he wants to be your savior today. He wants you to have the hope that many of us here have this this morning. Let's bow our heads in prayer.